we're back. I'm James. This is the Gay Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. And I'm James. J-Man, it's spring break. Yay. <laughs> Are you doing anything fun? Watching my trainers. Hey, you know, since we recorded last, you played your first real basketball games. How'd it go? Good. Did you score? Mm-hmm. Both games? Mm-hmm. I know. I was there. I was pumped. How many, how many fouls did you get? I didn't see you. Luke wants to know how many fouls you got. I never really played that much. Even though we did play a lot. We played as much as anyone else. We're, we're working on being physical and boxing out. Yeah, you got fouls to burn, buddy. You got to use them all. Keep those elbows high when you get the rebound. And, you know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what Coach Jay says, right? <laughs> all right. You good? Anything else? Hey, James, is Eastern Washington going to beat Kansas? No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we agree. Hey, look, it's banana on TV. <laughs> all right, bud. Thanks for coming down. James. All right. So we're back. We are. How you guys been? Well, you know, it's an interesting time to work in real estate. <clears throat> yeah. Real interesting. It's an interesting time not to own a home in Missoula. <laughs> oh man. It's uh oof. I, I feel like the number of offers we write to the number of offers we get accepted, that ratio is just getting worse and worse and worse. It's crazy. <clears throat> we'll keep up the good fight, fellas. Yeah, let's talk about more exciting things. <laughs> well, uh, we got a lot to cover here. There's a lot of stuff going on in Grizzlyland right now. Well, it, there is indeed. So um, obviously basketball season's ended. I will say the, this Grizz basketball season was one of the most frustrating Grizz basketball seasons I can remember. Um, And maybe in retrospect, our expectations were too high, but holy cow. I have never seen a team follow such a consistent pattern every game as this one. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. I mean, obviously it was pretty interesting. I'm I'm just, I'm trying to rapidly look up what our first game starting five was versus our final game starting five was, but I mean, this team, as especially as it finished the year, it was such a young team, like a lot of f- true freshmen and sophomores and one junior. And it's it was interesting that we did not they didn't they didn't really seem to make a full season's worth of improvements, like being able to close games out. It always kind of seemed at end of every game seemed to have the kind of same result for the most part. Yeah. I- you know, I, I don't think it's crazy that we had really high expectations. Um, you know, like, especially with all of the hype that surrounded uh, Michael Stedman and that not panning out um, when he was here. And then, you know, of course, everyone knows uh, he left. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to, like, I think everyone had high expectations and it just didn't, it just didn't pan out. I really kept thinking throughout the year when we had um, Coulter on, he mentioned that uh, like the story of success of Big Sky Conference mid-major teams is the team with the, with the strong senior guards. The teams with the strong senior guards are the better teams. And we had really young guards. Um, and so I kind of was thinking for a positive spin that if we had to have, like, if we had to burn, have like some sort of a COVID year, like we got to burn this thing um, and forget about it, this is the year to do it, right? Like these guards got a year under their belt. They're going to be older, stronger, better, more mature next year. And we can just hit reset and, and hit the ground running. If we don't lose anybody to the transfer portal, that it makes me so anxious. I mean, we lost so many guys this year. So, uh, Here's our first conference game against Southern Utah starters. Michael Stedman, Josh Bannon, Derek Carter-Hollinger, Cam Satterwhite, Brandon Whitney. Eastern Washington starters, Kyle Owens, Josh Bannon, Mac Anderson, Robbie Beasley, and Brandon Whitney. <laughs> so 
two we we held two through, yeah. but of course they rotated that roster quite a bit throughout the year. You know, and there are positives. I mean, Bannon got better as the year went on. Oh yeah. You know, when these guys were true freshmen playing, I mean, like Luke was saying, it's like if we were going to spend a year, it's like so we get if these guys all stay together, the year didn't count against their eligibility. So we've got freshmen who have a full season of you know, legit playing experience coming in. I mean, you look at like this core where you've got, and, and, and this isn't to shortchange other guys, but with Owens, Vasquez, Beasley, uh, Parker, and Whitney, and Bannon. And then I guess, yeah, everyone comes back within, you know, very similar. And then if Derek Carter Hollinger, I know he had kind of a season that was completely kind of mired in injury. Um, yeah. All these guys come back with a year's worth of experience. They're still a young team on paper, but at least they'll have more playing time together. It was, it was fat. I didn't realize how when we started the conference tournament, only one guy had actually played in a conference tournament before, and that was Mac Anderson. No one else had even played in a tournament together. Yeah, because we had a bye last year, and it got canceled before our first game. Yeah. I mean, so it's interesting, like, watch the tournament games. You know, Idaho, we almost blew it because it's, you know, what they do. And then uh, – but honestly, I think, you know, beating Weber State, I think, was – something hopefully that they can reflect on because um you know Weber basically had a little bit of that mismatch with their big guys and with a little bit more experience on the court and the Grizz were able to attack them and hold on through that game it got a little close again at the end but this time they didn't blow the lead and you know once they got to Eastern Washington I think Young team, third game, three days in a row. They're, they were dead. And Eastern was a complete mismatch for us. They kicked our ass all three games of the year. So um, I, I feel kind of positive coming out of the tournament. But like you said, Mike, like they got, we'll see how the team, if they can hold the team together and then how they fill in the, the gaps with the transfer portal, presumably. Yeah, I mean, beating Weber and getting to the semifinals after the season we had, I'll take that. I mean, get take getting an upset in the tournament – I mean, it sucks that Eastern kicked their ass, but that was all year. I mean, it's just, they're just a bad matchup. And Shante at, at Eastern has been building that team to beat the Grizz. Like, you know, he feeds off of it. They, they love that energy. And it was just, that's, it just, it happened this year. So. And an interesting thing too, I think Eastern only graduates one guy. So it's not like they're going to be worse next year. I don't think. Well, it'd be interesting how some of these teams, because the seniors technically can come back. So it's like, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Can we go back one year and get Saeed back? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, petition it. What do you guys think about, like, is the transfer portal, <laughs> transfer portal, is this anything we can, like, predict that affects all teams equally? Or is it more likely to affect us than other teams, do you think? I mean, I guess like <clears throat> it, it affects us if there's something going on in that locker room where guys don't want to play for Travis anymore. And that's the elephant in the room. Cause we lost a lot of guys, like something wasn't right this year. Um, but you'd have to think that in general, it more helps us than hurts us at our level because it's a more attractive place to play. But the problem is, I think it makes our level farm for, every conference that's better than the big sky. Yeah. That's you. You look at these freshmen and sophomores that we have, if they, you know, and who knows what will happen this summer, but say they put together another, even more improved season next year. I'll bet a lot of these guys are going to look at the mountain West or the PAC 12, maybe to, to move on to. And yeah, then we're rebuilding yet again. What are your guys' feelings on like the transfer portal? Just generally. Um, do you think it's, an inevitable equity play for players or do you think it's does more harm than good? I mean, I guess I I think that it's more fair for the players. I think that maybe we're going to find that there maybe needs to be some guardrails because while I definitely think that, you know, kids, students should be able to kind of exercise some free will. There's also a certain level of commitment and, you know, how does that all work out? But, I mean, coaches can leave anytime, so, yeah, that's a tough one. 
What do you it's guys tough. think? I mean, it's tough. It's tough being a fan, right? Because like, we just want our team to be good and win all the games. And so it's like, you know, sometimes you forget like it, do they like it in Missoula? Do they like it with, you know, Travis or Bobby or, or, or whoever, you know, depending on what sport they're in. Uh, and just to kind of all those things do they are, do they, you know, get along in the locker room, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I would lean to being generally fair, but I think it's tough when you look at it with biased glasses as a fan, when you see, you know, guys hitting the portal to go play somewhere else. Like you think about it selfishly as a fan, like it might hurt your team. Although in this case, especially on the basketball side, we saw guys get better when other guys left the team. So sometimes it works out. How many people, like when Bobby Knight kind of ran the table in whatever, 1978? Yeah, something like that. How many players on his team would have transferred had the portal been available to him? But they were like locked (laughs) there. They couldn't leave. They won a national championship. And now (laughs) they all look back at it wistfully. What do you think? Like, what do you think? (laughs) But it was a different era. I mean, hard to say, but <laughs> God, don't you Twitter in 1978, man? Oh, I hate the transfer portal. <laughs> and part of me wonders. I'm sure the stats exist somewhere. I'm certain that athletic departments track this. Um, I would love to know graduation rates, like academic success. Um, metrics on students who like hopscotch schools um i i i don't know i I, knowing what i do about higher ed it's really hard to graduate when you're transferring credits willy-nilly around institutions like um so i wonder if like students (laughs) who are transferring like to maybe find a better you know a better situation end up hurting their ability to graduate long-term and, and all for all for hoops. I don't know if it's, if it's worth it for many of them because so few of them play at another level. It's tough to say. Yeah, it's tough to say. I don't know. It makes me anxious. I mean, I, You know, we're such, we're so on demand. I mean, we see this now in everything that we do in society. And it's like, you know, I hire young people all the time and I sit and talk to people and it's like, there's no building your career. Like it's on demand. And I think college kids are no different, especially basketball where every kid thinks they're the star. Yeah. You know, you kind of, you almost need a little bit of that, like a small dose of that to some extent, right? Or you were always like the best player on every team you've ever played on until you got to college, right? <laughs> like, it's interesting because like football seems to, at least at least in the Montana perspective, in many cases, football seems to be able to, you know, basically we hear this from Bobby a lot where it's like, I don't want to see this kid on the field for two to three years. And a lot of, and and obviously they target that in the recruiting. So they're not bringing in kids that are like, yeah, I'm going to start as a true freshman or quarterback or something. But uh, basketball is not that case. Yeah. It's like, everyone is, I'm coming in to start. This is my job. I'm going to win. I'm the best guy that's here where football, you get guys where it's like, okay. And they're straight up about it. They're like, he's going to be in the weight room for two years. He's going to be special teams for another year. And then we'll see where he's at. And these kids are like, I'm happy to be here. And, and like, could you imagine if Travis got like a, you know, like a three-star guard out of California and said, okay, we're going to redshirt him and keep him on the bench for two years and come 2024, we'll see where this kid's at. That guy wouldn't even come here. It's, <laughs> it, I mean, it's a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of shifting gears, but staying with men's basketball. Uh, were you guys happy to see that the tournament's going to remain in Boise? I'm mixed on this. I've been to the tournament in Boise, and I will say that I really enjoyed it. And then last year I was all ready to drive down with James again, but then it got canceled. Um, you know, they, they do a good job. It's better than Reno. And I get why they don't want the home court. I mean, I, I get why they don't want to wait until the regular season champion. Cause it's hard to plan for, but they got to do something that gives the top one or the top one or two teams some advantage. Um, 
because obviously, you know, Eastern was technically the three, weren't they? Or were they two? Either, either way, I mean, I don't think one extra game for the worst team in the conference is that big of a penalty. You know, I, I feel like the top two should be should be bied right into the semis. You know, we got we have to make winning the the conference in the regular season worth something. And for a school like Mont, like or for a pro, for a big for a conference like the Big Sky, you know, if we could steal a game, that matters a whole lot to all our budgets. And yeah. it doesn't do us any favors to have a have a bracket that doesn't favor the best team getting to the tournament. Like the the one seed get to buy all the way to the semifinals, and then the next few, yeah. I mean, you could figure something. It out. The the West Coast Conference has a um, setup that I think is worth paying attention to. But I don't mind it being in Boise. I wish it was a little little bit closer to Missoula, but I think people would say that about everything. So, <laughs> I mean, they seem to do a good job. Like they seem to do a good job with it, right? In terms of the venue is good. The there's a little bit more like people around town kind of seem to pay a little bit more attention to it. Not a lot, but it's a lot better than the indifference that there was in Reno. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's not going to, if it's not going to be in the home of the big sky conference, you know, regular season winner, <laughs> it's not going to be that I, I guess Boise is okay. Was it three years? Is that what we yeah, I think so. Three more years. Yep. So, you know, wrap, I guess, putting a bow on, on this year. I think the, the one thing we really haven't talked about is like, was COVID part of this? And my, my answer to that is to an extent, it's going to be like, well, every team has to deal with the same COVID. Um, but, you know, a team like Eastern that that core has been together for a few years, like it's easier to play through adversity when you've played with the guys. Montana had so many new players, you know, like you said, there's only one guy that had played in a tournament game for him. It's hard to build a, um, you know, a community when like the freshmen can't go see Missoula and they're not doing team dinners the way they normally would. Um, I think we talked about this, but, you know, I was talking to a guy who's on the, the hoop club or the round ball club, I guess is what it's called. And, he was saying that the last meeting they brought in the three freshmen and, you know, they get to ask questions and stuff like that. And they were like, what's your best favorite part about Missoula? And the guys were like, we don't know Missoula. We haven't <laughs> like, we haven't been able to go out. We haven't been able to have a college experience. We don't know anybody. And it's like, that's what worries me about the transfer portal is like, what is holding these guys here? Sure. Yeah. I think you're right about, um, you know, in terms of like the the comment that everyone has to deal with COVID, so like there's no excuse for the Grizz. I don't I don't buy that. I, I think teams that have young players or teams that have like a new mix of players via transfer or or freshmen, um, they they're gonna have a harder time than teams that had a nucleus beforehand. So I'm I'm willing to like just kind of let this season wash away real quick. Um, but in truth, like I am a little nervous that maybe Travis's hard ass style, like is yep. going to, is driving away talent. Um, who knows? It's something to watch. Would I rather have Travis than like, I don't know, some idiot, of course, right? But <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot worse coaches we could have than Travis, who might drive away some players, right? Like, be careful what you wish for. Travis is an amazing coach, um, but there's Travis, always that Travis issue. Is one of the two best coaches. Travis is one of the two best coaches in the conference. Hundred percent. I mean, that's that's. And they and he won a tournament game that he probably like they weren't supposed to win, so. He, he did have these kids ready um, and peaking, let's say, at tournament time. Just their peak wasn't quite as high as we hoped for. You know, but I think it's it bears watching because the style he was able to have with his really tough early teams, that was pre-transfer portal. 
I mean, it's a different environment. So it's a question worth asking and, and monitoring, but I will say, I think the team post Stedman was the most comfortably looked all year. And so I don't know if something changed with the coaching as well or what, but they, they weren't better. And there were some games where they really, you know, still struggled. (laughs) And there were moments even in the tournament where it's like, you could tell that they were playing so tight because they were afraid of messing up. And that comes back to the coaching staff. Um, But I think they looked better as the year went on. And I think an interesting thing too is so if you, if like players that are like, I'm going to assume, I hope I'm not jinxing anything by saying this. Mac Anderson is probably very used to Travis's style because he's been on the team for four years now. Right. Uh, So guys that grow up in Travis's system know what to expect, what to do, where to be, all that stuff like that. They, and they know this hard ass style that, that they're going to get. This is, this is life. This is how it works. And like, I think the, the Weber game, the tournament game where Mac Anderson just, I mean, he had these games where he just have huge games. You could just tell he's one of the few guys that looks like he's the most comfortable in the system on the floor. Um, and so it's like the homegrown guys, the Vasquez and the, these other guys that have been here for a few years are going to be more uh, pliable within the system if it continues rather than, I mean, they're going to have to hit the JUCO or the transfer portal and bring in guys. And it, it could be a summer and fall like last year where it's like, okay, this guy's here from, you know, you name it, Utah State. Oh, wait, no, now he's gone. Okay, now we got this guy from Washington. Now we got this guy from this JUCO over here. And they're there for two weeks and they're gone and all this stuff. So, I mean, it's tough because I think when they bring in a lot of these transfer portal kids, they're coming from different programs. And then they get a taste of what it's going to be like under Travis DeCure. And they, they fucking hate it. <laughs> and they leave, you know, quick. So, and I'm not, I'm not knocking that it doesn't work because he's gotten to the tournament multiple times uh, and he's won the conference tournament multiple times. So like, I know it works. I'm not, I'm not doubting the process. I'm just maybe a more careful selection. And like you said, Mike, like knowing that the transfer portal now has made this a totally different game when it comes to how you work with guys, when you bring them in. Yeah. I, you know, and I think you mentioned Mac, you mentioned Vasquez. There's a great quote from Cam Parker that was in the Missouli and it might've been from a press conference, just talking about what the, those guys were talking to the younger guys. So it's like, hopefully there's some leadership that's built up there where they can kind of hold each other together. I hope so. Yeah. Cause I mean, and we've talked about this in texts and, and through games. Cause like you look forward to the 20, the fall 21 spring 22 season and what this team needs, obviously, they need, they need some size underneath. And so you're probably not going to bring in an 18 year old. That's going to be seven feet or six, you know, six ten or so that's going to be able to play at least meaningful minutes and, and be, you know, stack up against these Weber and Eastern type bigs. And then presumably out of the group they currently have, you just need, you need those one or two guys that just take over the game with five minutes to go. And that was another thing I, this team just did not, consistently have you did not have a uh, an Ahmad Rory um type of player a Kareem Jamar type of guy that could or, or a Saeed that was just the dude when the game was on the line when like the other team got a little close the guy that hit a clutch shot uh to to spread it back out and kill their morale and so hopefully out of this group they have they can develop a couple of those guys too I feel like they can but we just have to see so before we put a bow on men's basketball in the big sky, um, Eastern obviously won the tournament. They've got Kansas. Doesn't seem like it's the greatest draw, which is par for the course for the big sky conference. I mean, the Grizz yeah. have been there. It's like, we kept getting screwed. We got Michigan twice in a row. Yeah. So it's like, man, I just like, I don't know what we got to do to figure that out, but that sucks. Cause it's like, obviously we're going to be a teen seed, but Man, some of these draws. Ugh. You know, I think the thing is, this year's so weird. Uh, that you just throw this year out, but honestly, like the conference as a whole needs to book tougher games in and out of conference. We need to play more Mountain West and more Pac-12, and unfortunately, then we also need to beat them. You know, it's like this year with the random bookings just to fill out a schedule. You know, throwing out the window, but. 
when you have, you know, half to two thirds of the conference just playing cheap gutter ball home games against, you know, nobody schools and then a couple of guarantee games, you know, it just, it makes it tough because your, your RPI of your conference, you know, Eastern Weber, Montana, Montana state could all have solid schedules. And then the other nine have just awful, terrible schedules and play terrible within them. So it, it's unfortunately, it's like, you know, Montana could book the toughest damn schedule possible and beat two Pac-12 schools and a Mountain West school and then run through the whole conference with like one loss and they'd probably still be a 14 seed. You know, it's tough. Yep. That's why I've started to uh, think about moving up. It has nothing to do with football, just <laughs> basketball. Um, so last thing I'll say is Shante Leggins at, at Eastern is my favorite coach in the big sky. I mean, I really <laughs> like Travis, so don't take this the wrong way, but he's always been my favorite as a visitor. Cause my seats are, you know, behind the visitor bench and he just loves to feed off the crowd and you, you watch him interact. You watch him on Twitter and stuff like that. That's just who he is. Very genuine. He's on our, our friends over at the, the Eagle power hour podcast. He's on their pod tonight. Um, and I think that's awesome. Like he's embraced that and, and, you know, really enjoys that and, and more power to him. So I, I I'm happy to see him, you know, have some success, even though I would prefer that we had beat them. <laughs> Is that fair? Very fair. All right. So um, national search for a new coach on the women's side, but the current coach gets to be part of it. What a weird position uh, Petrino must be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting because on the women's side of things, going into the tournament, I was – my mind was almost made up that I think Petrino needs at least one more year because COVID's a weird year. And he, he, he was, you know, dealt a, a challenge, a very challenging hand still has good, you know, had some core talent on the team, but like, you know, that lot of key departures. I mean, you know, you got Gabby Harrington on Idaho being, you know, one of the three to four best players in, in the big sky. Um, and so things like that, but it's like, and then that, that damn Sac State game in the tournament um, made it real tough to lose to a two-win team in a pretty bad fashion to just make it feel like nothing's improved. Um, it seems like the right route. And, I, I mean, if he still – if he remains to be the best out of a national search, great. Then he's the guy. But we'll just have to see. It- what do you think they said? Just don't come to work for a while. Like what? What? <laughs> that's so weird. Um, I've been in this position, although not the same. But Luke, I mean, when I when we worked when we worked together as students, and then I, you know, got a job with the university. The first year I was technically on like a one year, um, temporary appointment, and then I had to apply for the job. And they interviewed other people too, you know, I mean, they had to do a legitimate interview process. So it's like, I'm coming to work every day and do my job. And of course, I mean, I got it, but it was like kind of surreal. So it's like, but what are they ready to burn it down too? Weren't yeah. You? <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to burn it down. <laughs> so, so you're saying Petrino showing up every day, to the athletic department with Krispy Kremes and, you know, being real friendly to the hiring group. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like, what did they say to him? Like, and you can't recruit because it's like you're not necessarily the coach. Well, I, and, I actually think that, that the recruiting aspect of it will be the biggest. Like, the, I really think the coach that can prove that they have recruiting chops is the one they're going to hire. Because, I mean, our, our, t, our girls team has, like Brent said, a core group of decent players. But there are a lot of players on that team that aren't Division One basketball players. Um, I mean, and, and on the recruiting side, they've only got one senior, right? Maddie, yeah. Sh- Maddie Shoning is the only senior. Yeah, I, I think that the roster isn't really deep right now, and um, I think I think there's a lot of like a lot of reasons that aren't uh, Coach Petrino's fault in that respect. Yeah. So um, I think they owe him a, an interview for sure, but. I, think, um, I, I also am excited as a Grizz fan to know that they're going to look at the applicant pool and see what they can get. Yeah, and I'm, I'm totally with you, Luke. And it was like, I, I obviously, like, like all of us, all your games, all the games we watched of both the teams pretty much were, you know, 
by way of Pluto TV, if not otherwise. And so, um, I mean, and maybe my selection sample was bad, but I think I watched six or seven Lady Grizz conference games and in five or six of those, uh, they completely melted down with, you know, in the, in the fourth quarter, basically to take either a close game or a lead and turn it into a, a last second loss or a sizable loss. And so it's like, obviously there, there's the mix of, do you, do you have the skill on the floor and on the bench or, or other things too, like that Sac State game. It was like, Holy crap. I mean, I can't remember what their stat line was from three point, but it, it was, it was challenging. It was tough. And so it was just like, you don't see game plan. You didn't see things change through the game. And so it's like, what, like what's going on. So, but my understanding is that, I mean, administrators like, like uh, Petrino a lot team likes Petrino a lot. I mean, obviously a returning interim with a lot of that, an inside track like that. I wouldn't be surprised if he's named the guy for at least another stretch. And, and if so, I mean, more power to the guy. And then if he can build out a roster, uh, and be given a short stretch to try to take it from just a one-year, you know, patchwork kind of team. And if he can do good stuff with it, cool. I'd love to see it. Yeah. Um, do you think that they search if he wins a couple tournament games? No. I, I think if he doesn't get upset like that in the first round, there's some momentum and if that second round game is close even if they don't win i don't i think they say hey we're making progress but you know what i mean i I, told us he had a three-year contract sitting on the table and then he lost the cats and then it was poof gone so i mean well and he told them after the game he was coming back and then well he did the same thing with shannon i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get into leadership is not that that's just not the way you treat people in in a a decent hr world is is what i'll say on that front and we're just going to leave it at that but um you know i've had an interesting perspective you know to be reminded that that these coaches are humans and you know they have um you know it's they're real people and there are things outside of their control so it's like i don't take this lightly but i think that i think they've got to blow up the this stuff a little bit and bring somebody in from the outside. Like I, I think Petrino's a good guy and I enjoyed them. I, I mean, it was fun to see them get a winning streak that they hadn't had in a while. Um, but something's got to change in, and it's not just lady Grizz. I mean, in athletics, it's like, we just need some jolts of energy right now. Are you saying what I think you're saying, Mike? Well, I'm committed to Eastern and Weber for the spring. I don't, I don't know what, what you're getting at. Such a cop out, too, Mike. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? I mean, I'm going to take two of the front running teams. Well, I'm not going to pick a shitty team for a one year fandom. <laughs> Man, I picked fucking Cal Poly. And that was on you. We could have been teammates. <laughs> You know, when was you remember the last year Montana Lady Grizz did a national head coaching search was 1978, <laughs> and they hired the guy from the men's program. <laughs> That's true, they did, didn't they? Right? Well, because wasn't yeah, he the JV co- like wasn't that wasn't that what yeah. it was? Yeah, I think so. And the women's cool. the women's program was was under Heathcote, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. The house that Rob built, Luke. Is that where you're going? Yeah, I was going to ask if you guys had a chance to watch that. Not yet. I want to watch it with my girls, so we were waiting for spring break to hit. So we'll we'll get through it this week. Stacy watched it. She got a preview of it like last year and really liked it. Um well, I'm going to caution you to watch it in front of your kids, Brent. Unless you're comfortable with your children seeing you tear up because <laughs> it's one of those sports documentaries that are constructed to <laughs> all the tears out of your lacrimal ducts you know like you feel so emotional about like <laughs> the situation i was watching it by myself just sob like just like <laughs> a feel good thing <laughs> I'm, I'm not afraid to admit i'm a crier and uh, like a lot of stuff gets me emotional and i mean my girls make fun of me for it but you know we went and saw toy story 4 in the movie theater and you know <laughs> When, when Woody says goodbye to the toys and he goes with Bo Peep, I was, you know, I, 
I mean, I wasn't like sobbing, but my girls definitely noticed that. I was like trying to keep it cool. Like I was like, oh man, you know, I got itch on my nose, but like, are you crying? I was like, it's sad. Like Woody, <laughs> the gang the whole time. So. Oh, okay. Okay, good. All right. If, if, if you're comfortable <laughs> good, with it, good. watch away. <laughs> watch away. Perfect. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. Anything else on basketball before we shift gears? Oh, yeah. One thing um, about while well, we're talking about the Lady Grizz, I saw that um, the Lady Grizz are having their big give drive March 24th at noon. Um, so you can look at the hashtag UM Big Give. Uh, go to the athleticsgogrizz.com and um, get some details about their, uh, their big give. Support the Lady Grizz again later this month. So. Awesome. awesome and yeah i mean one of the best women's programs in the country and you know i think that people need to remember that so yeah big give i like it cool all right so there's a spring football season going on which is weird um lots of big sky teams playing we are not though we have a couple games coming up um first things first now that we're a couple weeks into this spring big sky season and we see these teams like North Dakota state playing in other conferences, do you guys wish the Grizz were playing? I'm actually no. Oh, really? Uh, it doesn't, it's football that doesn't matter. You know, I, I, I tend to agree with that, that the season's going to have an asterisk and it doesn't make it not legitimate because the teams that are playing are all playing by the same rules but it's not the same thing. Yeah. Especially if North Dakota state somehow gets upset again and doesn't make the playoffs. It's like, you tell me that's going to happen in a normal fall season. Nah, I don't think so. I just, yeah. I, I thinking strategically, I just, I mean, I, I would hate for injuries through this, uh, a weird shortened spring to derail what could be a pretty great, fall uh 22 season for for our team so yeah i've watched a handful of these big sky games and there's there's guys dropping out each one of them i'm in the big sky podcast network i like an idiot pick cal poly and they're uh that stud fullback they got zooey trans samson tore his achilles Ooh, oh yeah. so that's the fall too yeah cool. yeah he's out to, like he's done he's on the shelf and so it's like and obviously like i understand the argument it, that could happen. It could happen playing a basketball game with friends. It could happen, uh, you know, lifting weights, or it could happen during a spring camp type of situation as well. I understand that too, but it seems like it's just, it's, it's tough when you see that kind of stuff and, and all these games, like injuries happen. And so you're seeing like a handful of, or like, what if, what if we've talked about this before? Like what if uh, Eric Barrier with Eastern Washington or one of these like main guys, like has an injury that, puts them on the shelf until effectively the fall of 22. I mean, that's uh, that's a tough pill to swallow for a, a shortened, weird, somewhat illegitimate spring season. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually not at all concerned about, like, what a spring season would mean for COVID. <laughs> like, I'm exclusively worried about injuries going into the fall, right? Like, we kind of have a good sense of how far away we should be from one another. We should be, you know, masked more and more of us are getting vaccines. Um, we're washing our hands. I'm like, I think we could probably execute a spring season and not do a ton to uh, change COVID numbers in the county uh, or the state. I'm just legitimately worried about like concussions and torn Achilles and ACLs. And I'm super happy that we're uh, you know, we do have a couple games, but we're probably setting ourselves up to have a, a very healthy fall season, fall campaign. So this was, I mean, kind of a fascinating dilemma that we, so you are um, a two loss big sky team. Like, what do you do right now? Like, go, like obviously you play out this, <laughs> right? but it's like, or especially because you look at, so like, again, we could use a good example, Eastern Washington, who, almost became a two loss team right yeah because they was it eastern yeah eastern yeah, almost they almost lost idaho yeah. state yeah so they almost became oh and two eastern washington where or yeah or no one and one and two eastern washington 
And uh, I mean, they're a postseason host. So like, why the hell would you play three more games? What's it going to prove? What's it going to do? You just like throwing all your freshmen then? I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird it's a weird dynamic to be in. I wouldn't play anybody of consequence, especially because it doesn't count on eligibility. I would give reps to all kinds of freshmen, all kinds of guys who are further down to try and get them better. But I would not play any player of serious consequence once I hit two losses. Cause I get that it's a season, but we're so close to the fall season and I'm sorry. I understand that everybody who's playing is going to say this is legitimate, but a lot of those coaches, once they hit two losses are going to start changing their tune. And they're going to say the spring season does not matter. Like the fall season does. <laughs> Do these stats count for um, records? Yep. They're real. Ah. Really? Yeah. Oh. They're real stats. It's real games. Okay, but if- the Grizz's two games will count too. <laughs> uh, okay. So this this affects, I feel I I forgot. We would have to go deep into the archives. Um but I feel like I made a bet with somebody about whether or not Bobby Howe could break the all-time tackles record. And it would Oh gonna- shoot, Robbie. Yes. Did I say <laughs> <laughs> And I guarantee you, he's playing every snap. (laughs) He's going to have like 42 tackles in the spring two game season. Yeah, he's getting extra, extra tackles. (laughs) We'll be up, we'll be up 60 to three on Central Washington, and he'll still be out there, like just lighting guys up. He'll have nine players out there, so he gets more opportunities. (laughs) Oh my God, that'd be great. Well, so yeah, so we got Central Washington and we got Portland State. Um, the, uh, to our knowledge, what we've been told is the university is trying to work with the health department to get a plan in place to have fans in the stadium. We don't know numbers. We don't know what it's going to look like yet. Um, but yeah, so we get a little taste of Grizz football this spring. We'll, we'll see what it looks like. I, I don't have the notes up in front of me right now as to when, what days they are. Do you guys have that? For the games? April yeah. 16th, I April, April 10th and April 17th. Yep. Right? Yep. yep, that's it. Couple Saturdays ahead, so, yeah. I had heard rumor they were trying to get a third game set in, like with uh, with a Montana Western or somebody like that, but um, must not have come together. Maybe it still could. You never know. Yeah, good point. Good point. We still got time. It's going to be fun to see him. I don't, I'm, I'm, these games are going to, I'm assuming they're going to look more like, I mean, they're going to be weird. I doubt their intensity is going to be the same, but I guess we'll, we'll see. The Portland State one will be kind of fascinating because I remember that quarterback they had. I mean, they got a little bit of skill on offense and, um, I don't know. That game could be interestingly competitive. I don't know. That, that might be kind of a fun one. I have no clue on Central Washington, though. If you guys, um, have the ability to go will you yes 100 percent. yeah sounds like uh qb club might get be, be high on priority because they're donors so great time to join qb club gogrizz.com slash qb club it's great i'm telling you guys join there's um, nothing else going on this spring if if <laughs> i'm trying to think they could call dan ingram if they want to talk to someone directly about it but but join QB club and guys, if you're listening, I hope this moves Brent and I up the priority list for tickets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we have, we have, uh, we, they have upcoming, um, we're going to have some, some meetings and some updates from coaches through the spring and uh, get our, yeah. So QB club is a great source of inside information, obviously preference on, you know, maybe spring game tickets and stuff like that. And so um, we highly encourage everyone to consider. I know there's just not enough people in society that can laugh at themselves like enough, but why they haven't renamed you guys the armchair quarterback club. (laughs) (laughs) Because not everybody who gives big dollars would appreciate the uh, insult. (laughs) Thanks for the ten thousand dollar donation to the armchair armchair quarterback. Stupid piece of shit. I might, I might make you guys hats. (laughs) I'd wear it. 
Oh God, we should start our own spinoff. The armchair quarterback club of Grizz fan pod. I like it. All right. That's going to be a segment. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple storylines, right? Going into spring. If, If we had started last fall, like normal, I think 90 plus percent chance Cam Humphreys is the QB, right? Last fall. Yep. Yep. Now they've had a year plus for a couple of these transfers. A couple of freshmen who were on the roster for 2019 have now had two winters, you know, part of a spring, lots of study time. And now they've got two spring games with legitimate reps. I think it's 50 50 that Cam Humphreys is the starter in fall 2021. What do you guys think? Mike, I'm going to say it's, it's, I don't know, 70, 30 Cam Humphrey. I still think he's got the edge, but I don't think you're wrong that um, these other players have had a chance to develop. Brent, what do you think? I think it is 99% Humphrey (laughs) because He's a senior. <laughs> oh, here's Brent. Yeah, here we go. But wouldn't that have been a waste? Like, seriously, though. I mean, like, if we think there's talent in these other guys, wouldn't it be a waste? Like, if Chris Brown's the real deal, and you and I have seen him, he's got the best arm on the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's my guy. You guys, you know this. We know this. I mean, spring doesn't really matter. Like, don't you see what you have or do you just go all in? <laughs> well, I bet we see a lot of Chris Brown. I bet we see a few quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's just good to get them reps in yep. case there's an injury, but what I, I, what I'm really happy about though, is even if cam is 99 or 70 or even a coin flip is that all the, all the other guys on the roster have had an opportunity to learn the playbook more, to develop more, to have more time, um, with the coaching staff. So I bet that I bet the overall football play, like I don't claim to be a good enough analyst to, to prognosticate like, or to figure out overall football quality. Right. <laughs> I mean, I can spot the difference between a high school game quality and, and the Grizz. Um, but I bet the overall quality across the board is going to be much better in all the conferences this year for these reasons. Hmm. So if you are Bobby Houck and you're preparing for two spring games, do you, do you Herm Edwards it? Do you play to win the game or do you say first team gets the first half, second team gets the third quarter, you know, third team gets the fourth quarter and even if it's 17 to 17 late in the fourth, it's going to be, it's going to be the true freshman out there on the field. I think I develop a plan that rotates everybody in throughout the game, almost like a spring game where it's like, you know, different guys going with different groups and just, and that's why I almost hope they can find a third game. And then you just say, we don't care if we win or lose these games in the spring, we want to win them. We're going to play to win them, but you are going to see everybody on the roster play. I think that'd be awesome. It's going to be, I mean, it's funny because like they might have to tamp down expectations for Grizz fans that are like, we're going to play Portland state. We're going to kick their ass. And then like Portland state plays their starters the whole game. And we got like our true freshman out there and we lose and it doesn't matter because it's just, you know, it's a tune up game type of thing. And then people freak out. I don't know. It'd be, I don't know how you broadcast that or message it, but yeah, rotating guys could help. I think the maturity of this coaching staff is, is going to like mean that they don't, they don't play every game. I mean, they prepare every game to win, but they won't play their starters all the time. I could see a younger, like, you know, more piss and vinegar, Bobby, like wanting to to, like reserve the last part of the fourth quarter for reserves. But I I think like Mike and, and you described Brent, it's going to be a little different. <laughs> you get in there and they're like, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're going to say, we prepared to win this game. Everyone on our roster prepares to win. And we're going to play everyone on the roster. 
I mean, <laughs> but seriously, it's like we're not, there's no playoffs. The games don't count for next fall. Like we'd be crazy not to, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This, I mean, and that's like this coaching staff has really been talking about how they want to build a roster where not just the starters, but the backups and further down, they feel like all that depth is developed. So if it's next man up, they know that what they've got there. And like these, these are the opportunities right here that really helps that type of mentality and that type of preparation. Did you guys read that um, Marcus Knight is put on 20 pounds of muscle? That stood out to me in that preview. Like, what is that going to do to his game? That's a big weight gain. You know what? This is – so, <laughs> this is like – I wish you guys could see Luke's face right now. But <laughs> So much that's, – that's so much weight of, of muscle. Like, I'm just trying to – I wonder if – can find pants to fit around his ass like that's <laughs> a lot of muscle brent what were you saying well it's it's interesting because i can think of the first time around we had bobby when you get flashes of like freshman or sophomore that had to come in and and and, and you know take time for injured guys or something um i think like thomas thomas brooks fletcher was kind of like the one guy i really think of and then it was like you didn't see him for a few years and then they're like 20 to 25 pounds of muscle heavier a few years later and they just look they look like ripped and strong but kind of slow like it seemed like some guys would like lose a little bit of their edge so um i remember lots of comments from the previous time around with bobby how not that i am anyone that is you know qualified to make this assessment but um maybe sacrificing a little bit of um speed to say the least, uh, for the sake of just, you know, muscle weight to just, you know, bulk up. I don't know. Luke, you're, th- this is more your, your department. So you, you talk um, to me. Am I, am I just like, am I just speaking complete bullshit here? No, no. I mean, I think for, um, a lot of people, that's the reality. Uh, but we do see a lot of athletes. I mean, especially these are young men that they can, you know, maintain their speed and athleticism and, uh, and put on that kind of muscle mass like so I, I i have to believe that marcus is is that kind of an athlete you know like they said in the article that you know he's he hasn't lost a step which is incredible how like is that even possible luke it is it is um it's not easy but it's possible i tell you every couple of pounds i put on i lose a step so i mean he, <laughs> Clearly, we're not the same caliber of athlete. Well, what are you going to expect them to say? They're going to be like, yeah, he put on 20 pounds of muscle, but yeah, slow shit. down. He's not getting around that edge like he used to. Damn, I don't know what we're going to do. So so obviously, this predates the new um, uh, strength and conditioning coach. Right, right. I mean, I, I just think that there are people who get bigger and faster and stronger, even, even all the way through their NFL career. I was going to say, it's pretty normal for a – freshman, sophomore to get a lot stronger, junior, senior. I mean, that's a pretty normal college football. Yeah. You know, you know our, our buddy, AJ, um, former roommate of Mike and I, mm-hmm. um, he mentioned like playing against Croy Beerman in high school. And like, then he goes, you know, he's telling us this story in retrospect after Croy's like an All-American, Buck Buchanan Award winner. He's like, you know, we never like prepared for Croy. We knew he was like great, but it wasn't like he's someone that kept us up at night. And AJ mentioned that he thought the difference between Croy and other humans was that most humans don't get like 20% better every year until they're 30, right? Like, but Croy just, I think, kept getting bigger and faster and stronger probably every year he was in puberty until he was 30 years old or something. Um, And I think that exceptional athletes kind of have this ability. Uh, It's something that like, it's how you get a Dante Olsen like at at UM, right? They just keep getting bigger and faster and stronger. And Marcus Knight is, is an amazing running back, right? He's an amazing athlete. 
Um, so I think that it's quite possible that it's all uh, it's all going to work out great for, for the Grizz. I was excited and baffled and like thinking, man, maybe this kid has a shot at the NFL if, if he can put on this level of muscle and not lose a step. So I'm really looking forward to the damage he gets to do. It's <laughs> a pretty returning, pretty senior offensive line with a, a returning senior offensive line. Um, I know you're on around campus and, and kind of more in touch with this area than Brent and I might be, but uh, uh, the initial returns I've heard on the new strength and conditioning coach have been good. People seem to like him. Um, you heard anything? I mean, you know, a background a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually haven't ran into Dan yet. Um, cause you know, everyone's pretty in their bubble still, but the few people I've asked about, um, about how Dan is doing, they love him. They think he's a goofball, you know, like he's great. He's got that big, crazy ass beard, um, a lot of personality. And I think people like him and, you know, he's Bobby's guy from the same hometown. And I think he's kind of cut from a similar cloth, um, gets a lot of respect in the weight room. So yeah, I, I, was, excited. I was excited to hear that. Yeah. I was going to uh, say, I mean, the players I've heard, heard like him, that's not a, a, a full spectrum, but the ones I've heard of like him. Yeah. You know, I was, I was nervous knowing Dan, like, right. I mean, Dan and I aren't, aren't buddies or anything, but um, he was a freshman, right. When we were, uh, RAs in the dorm together. And so I knew Dan way back when, when he was a young man and I really wanted him to be excellent because, right. But uh, you're always nervous when someone brings in a guy of their own sometimes. And it sounds like Dan's an excellent professional. So I, it's been really relieving to hear, hear that he has respect from the players and, and staff. What other uh, positions should we be paying attention to this spring, Brent? Yeah, I mean, the one that I'm really interested in, and this this kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about too, with with um, <clears throat> players reported weights and whatnot. I want to see what this defensive line looks like. Um, I think we've got there. We rotated a lot of young guys because we had to last year. Uh, we had a Juco, not a Juco. We had a grad transfer. I can't remember his name because he, he left. He, he announced in the summer and left in the fall. Uh, and so, and then we had another one of the guys that was here last year, put his name into the transfer portal. So, um, you know, I think we've got the re main returning core of, you know, starters and producers, but I want to see what these guys look like. Uh, how they play and kind of what that, what that looks like, you know, and um, you know, we've got, and so, yeah, you know, just what these D line guys kind of look like. And, and then, you know, the other thing is um, uh, we added a lot of transfers into our secondary. And so how, how the corner situation looks like because, and those types of things. So that defensive side of the ball there, there's like a lot of things I really I'm anxious to see and, and excited to see what, what some of these guys look like and how they play and how they work together as a, as a group. Yeah. The, the, the cube cornerback position is one that I think is going to surprise people who aren't studiers of the roster and are recruiting um, because U.S. pass defense was pretty bad in 2019. And I think that the assumption is, Oh, one of our starters is in Idaho now which is he playing? I haven't really paid attention. I haven't even checked. I should check that. Now. I'll check um, it out. But, uh, you know, oh, it's not going to, but it's like they recruited some guys there. And if even one of those guys hits, we're better off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so I see Darian Nash is listed on the roster here. Um, I don't know if he's playing. Let's see. Shows no stats, so I don't know if he's taking the spring or what the deal is. Yeah. Who knows? Um, the other big returner is OD, you know, All-American coming back. Um, but we have to replace our punter and our place kicker, which, you know, those are how Gary is. It'll be interesting to see what he does there. 
That's a good point. I'm really interested to see uh, what they do with Malik Flowers this year. Like to see if he if he can catch a bunch of balls for us. Um, I mean, he actually doesn't have to do anything but what he's been doing. But um, I think it'd be really he's such a dynamic uh, offensive player that getting him the ball in space, almost like we used to with Jerry Louis McGee, um, could be interesting. I think. Well, then you, you add in like Gabe Salser, who we've not seen on the field for a little while here too. Some of this wide receiver, uh, you know, w- what these guys are going to look like beyond uh, Sammy and Ben Roberts. It's it's going to be, um, yeah, h- how they fit some of these guys in and make this work. But I hope Malik can get the ball more. I Me really too. Do. I mean, he's such a talent. It's like it's you wonder if it's one of those things where it's like he's dynamic as a returner, but it just doesn't click as a receiver. I hope not because he he is a dynamic talent. Um, let's see here trying to think, is there anything else we should be hitting over? Obviously we talked about quarterbacks, know how you guys feel, you know, how I feel. Um, I mean, it's been so long, but it's like, remember they got the the junior college transfer, Robbie Patterson, um, who people said was kind of like a mini Dalton Sneed, um, true freshman Carson Rostad's on the roster. Um, and then no, two um, other transfers, Kirk Reigel from South Florida, and then a guy named Daniel Britt. I'm excited to see, it, and I think we'll probably see him in these two like kind of throwaway spring games. But I want to see Asher Croy, that big ass running back from Bozeman. I want to see him play because I think he's going to be on defense. Yeah, don't they have him set for linebacker? Yeah, he looks like he could, you know pop a helmet off of someone so i'm kind of really excited for him maybe even you know the spring but you know down the road the next couple of years watching him crush some dudes on special teams like i think he's going to be a fun player to watch he's wearing number 33 i believe that's Dante's number is it not is uh jancaro still on the roster let me check because he's one that's such an athlete. Like you keep waiting for them to find a way to get him out there. Yep, he is listed as a linebacker. Yep, we're in 36. I think that's going to be another spot. Like you know, you've got uh, obviously Jace Lewis, but then beyond that, there's there's a whole bunch of linebackers here that um, you know, like if it's if it's Matthews or Wellnell who have been waiting for their turn, or some of these younger guys that have you know, like uh, Braxton Hill or Jan Caro or uh, Flink or some of these other guys that have been um, kind of a little bit more special team standouts. Uh, Braxton Hill. I mean, man, there are so many guys and it's like, I just don't feel as familiar with the roster just because it's been 18, 19 months since we played. <laughs> it's going to be fun. That's, I mean, that's, that's, I'm glad that we have a ring so we can see just a little bit more than, a couple of scrimmages that are just kind of ho-hum and then a spring game where by that time, you know, most of your starters aren't even going to play much and it's going to be a lot of the backups doing stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that we get something and, and I'm hopeful that we can have a safe plan in place that we could get quite a few fans in the stadium and, and make it an enjoyable event. Yep. Um, O-line will be interesting because obviously, I mean, they picked up a couple guys, but really if the O-line grows, it's going to be because the guys they had on the roster got bigger and better and stronger. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you've got guys that have started a, a stretch. I mean, some of them like Donald Beavers, what in his third or fourth year starting. Um, and so you're not filling a lot of gaps with inexperienced players. And so uh, Bobby loves, you know, it, it's all about the trenches is where it starts on both sides of the ball. So one would hope that this offensive line is ready to stand up for the task. On, um, on defense, on the, on the D line, I'm, I'm really excited to see how Jason, Jacob McGoran continues to grow. Um, I really liked him, you know, when he played. So any thoughts on any of, any of the D line guys. I mean, it's so tough to even really know. Cause all we're doing is speculating based on the names we know, having not seen anything, but. Well, that's kind of the funny thing. Cause it's like, we might be sitting here talking about like, and then, you know, 
like, oh, we're so excited for this guy because he made a few plays a couple years ago. Uh, it's going to come out and it's going to be like someone that it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that guy's on the roster and suddenly he's starting, you know. <laughs> so um, I noticed, too, like Noah Ambule, who's a redshirt freshman, is uh, up to like almost 290 pounds. I mean, so they've, they've now added a little bit more size in the inside here. But, uh, yeah, it's – we'll have to see, you know, you got, you got Dem- one of the twins Deming there and Joe Babaros is back. And then Alex Hurlbert as well, too, who was kind of a, you know, a heralded recruit as well. Um, but a lot of unproven guys. So who knows? Luke, any other thoughts on spring? Uh, you know, of all the people that we've named so far, like I'm actually really excited to watch Garrett Graves. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's just been such a good all-around athlete. And, you know, he's this Class B Montana guy, so I'm rooting for him. And, and what? And you know, where does he fit in? Like, what, where do they actually plug him in? You know, it's going to be fun to see. Yeah, like he's – they list him at safety now. Um, but, you know, shoot, he could catch balls for us. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he's he can do it all, man. I feel like, you know – You'll see him. He might. He might suit up and play another sport at UM too. Who knows? Could he become that gadget type of guy? Your your Kyle Uschek or something, where you could, you know, yeah, have him here, there, and everywhere doing all sorts of stuff. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Is Uschek's first name Kyle? I just guessed. Is it Kyle? Did I get it right, Mike? It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just resigned with the Niners. Five years. Don't let anybody tell you fullbacks are dead. Twenty-five million. Oh my gosh, man, what a world! <laughs> um, anything else, guys? I mean, I think that we've touched on the, the spring football topics. Um, uh, you know, I'm excited to see how the Lady Grizz basketball search shakes out, and I hope that the basketball team can kind of keep their momentum going. Agreed. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on, but uh, hopefully, mostly in a positive in a positive trend here. So, yeah, we didn't we didn't ask for any questions because we really don't like you guys anymore. So (laughs) (laughs) it's not true. That's not a good way for the Grizz fan pod to gain fans. (laughs) So um, rather than texting us um, or rather than commenting on on uh, questions for us, um, what should we have people do this week? Yeah, I just, I mean, like talking about players that we're looking forward to, I just love to hear from fans about maybe some other guys or some people to watch for as we head into the spring because yep. that's going to be summer. What are you watching for this spring? I like it. Yep. And they are going to be on TV. SWX is going to show both of them. So. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. That's good to hear. I know that because they're trying to sell us commercials. So. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, guys, we got nothing else. Um, thanks for uh, throwing together some time for a pod. And uh, if we uh, we know you, we'll see you soon. If not, we'll catch you next time. Go Grizz. Bye. Bye.